Hey everybody, Chris Fafalius here. If you enjoy One Hit Thunder, which I'm assuming you do considering you're listening to it right now, I want to tell you about another great music podcast on the Evergreen Podcast Network. It's called Riffs on Riffs. On this season of Riffs on Riffs, hosts Toby Braswell and Joe Watson are breaking down one iconic pop song each week. Everything from Taylor Swift's Cruel Summer to Journey's Don't Stop Believin' to Naughty by Nature's OPP. Each week, they crack open the song, trace its history, decode those cryptic lyrics, and unearth the hidden gems in its musical DNA. Not only do they dive into the song's history, lyrics, and impact, they also go down some fun and oftentimes hilarious rabbit holes. So yeah, if you're a fan of One Hit Thunder, I think you'll also enjoy Riffs on Riffs. So go hit that subscribe button on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you get your pods. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hey, do you have an idea for a podcast but don't know where to start? Or do you have an already existing podcast that you want to take to the next level? Well, check out WeKnowPodcasting.com. From concept development to theme music to editing to logos, WeKnowPodcasting.com is a one-stop shop for all things pod. Don't hesitate to hit us up. We're very nice. In the early 2000s, cussing was still considered shocking. Nowadays, everyone from toddlers to great-grandmas are dropping F-bombs and C-words like they aren't even cusses. In 2004, Staten Island Ho-Wop singer Amon knew that the days of having a hit song purely because of swear words were almost over, so he took a big swing and hit a home run with Fuck It, I Don't Want You Back. No matter how many bad words he based entire songs around after that, though, he could never match the success again. This week, we're joined by Jim Legrando to determine if we ourselves actually do want Amon and his filthy mouth back. One hit is all you need to make the money guaranteed. And you can live off royalties So welcome back, Jim. Today, okay. you requested that we talk about Amen, who I was not too familiar with before this episode. And by not too familiar, I mean not at all. I missed this song completely. But I figured it would be a good way to start this episode by reading a quote from Amen himself about his music. Nice. Amen says, quote, Ho-wop. That's my own genre of music, which is a flavor of hip-hop, a flavor of doo-wop, and hoes. So that's my music. <laughs> I'm the king of ho-wop. <laughs> and it was very, very confusing how the hoes part got in there, but I'm just going off what he said. Did you listen to his follow-up single, I Love Those Hoes? 
Yeah, and we'll get into that because <laughs> just the grammar of that is so off because he spells it H O apostrophe S. Like there's no apostrophe necessary. It's plural. It's just H O S. No one corrected him on that. That that drives me crazy. I mean, misogyny aside here. I'm, t- I'm going I'm going straight for the grammar. Chris's annoyances go from grammar number 1 misogyny yeah, number. Yeah, I mean, two. that's that stuff aside. It was the early 2000s. Now you know why it was a terrible follow-up and didn't hit the charts because of the grammar police. They yeah, they kept right. him off. Tell me your experience with this song, Jim. You chose this song. Well, yeah, so I chose this song because I was obviously having a discussion with Matt about songs that we should talk about on the pod. This was on a short list of it, and Matt was like, you should you should talk about that if you feel like you could talk about it. And I don't have any sort of glowing connection to Eamon. I, I do have one kind of funny story to add to it, which will always be something that keeps in my mind of remembering that this song exists and it's by a guy named Eamon. But other than that, I don't, I'm not sure if I've actually listened to this song since 2004 when this experience I'm thinking of happened until coming over today to catch myself up to remember like you know and get ready to dunk on the rest of Amen's career but I don't I don't know if I can actually do that yeah I mean I did my research and keep in mind this song's from what Matt 2003 2004 somewhere in that range this was from 2004 and in case you need a way to remember that also on the top 10 at that time was Ruben Stutter with his song, I'm Sorry 2004. <laughs> I think that maybe since then the world has changed enough. I think this is on the tail end. I mean, look at a lot of music in the 90s, early 2000s. I mean, even in like the punk rock world, there's still some problematic stuff is lyrically and whatever in music. So I'm not sure if Amen stands by this. Also, it could be argued, this might be a weak argument. But, but it might be argued that guys can be hoes too. That this doesn't have to be just one gender of person could be a hoe. Anybody could be a hoe, right? In a way. Yeah. Right. Yeah, absolutely. There could be three hoes on this podcast right now as we speak. Yeah, but yeah. but in general, but in general we know that this was this this could be used derogatory towards women. But I guess that's not what we're here to talk about today. We're here to talk about this song, which to its credit it's a song that has more cuss words than have ever been in a hit single, right? Is that is this song holds the record for most most cusses? Yeah, according to it's that it's it's got the Guinness World Record for most expletives in a number one song. So that's the qualifier yeah, because th- there's probably a song out there in the world that has a lot more expletives per per minute. <laughs> oh yeah, but this wasn't a number one song, right? Oh, it was. It was a number one everywhere but the U.S. This was like internationally, this was a smash. And in the States, it was a top 20. Like it got to 16. Which is mind-blowingly wild to me because, (laughs) I mean, you listen to the song, right, Matt? How could this possibly be number one around the world? But it was. I mean, we lived through it. Yet somehow it missed Chris. <laughs> it did miss me. I don't know. I was in a van at the time a lot, listening to the same five CDs on repeat, probably. So I, Th- this didn't make it into the van during that action tour. No, I, I missed, completely missed out on this. I get it. I, when I heard the song musically, it didn't do a lot for me. It was pretty uh, unimpressive on that tip. But lyrically, its lowest common denominator, like anybody could relate to this and matt and i recently did a patreon episode the one 
following this. For this. <laughs> yeah, yeah, right. And we talked about songs you might listen to after a breakup. I can't imagine like breaking up with somebody and putting this on like instantly. I feel like this has to be down the road. If this is what you're listening to, then maybe you're the reason <laughs> the relationship ended because it's an angry song, I guess, right? Uh, yeah, I think so. But silky smooth at the same time. It does have something. I mean, so so Chris, this might be a good segment into the story of how I sort of have this Amen song into my into my life that kind of fits into what you're saying, which is just sort of funny at the time. So it comes out, I'm 23 years old. And I'm in a cover band, and we make most of our like side money playing in this cover band. And this was obviously popular. And so we had learned the song to play at shows, and people really liked it. And we were playing a show in Toledo, Ohio. I know it's a place that you love to visit and play <laughs> in Toledo, Ohio. I was dating a girl from Toledo, Ohio at the time. Wow. So I lived in Pennsylvania State College, and she lived in Toledo. And we had like you know a phone relationship. And when I would see her and on and this, I had gone out. I was on my way to come and see her at this, you know, spend this weekend at this show or whatever. We roll into the venue to load in, but it's like duck. Like we don't play till 1030 at night or something. So we didn't have to be there at like two in the afternoon. It was like a restaurant or whatever. Okay, so roll into the parking lot, lights onto the building. There's some girl making out with some dude like I've seen in the headlights. Turns out it's my girlfriend that lives in Toledo. (laughs) So I get out of the car and I'm like the fuck is happening here and clearly like i had seen what it was there was some excuses whatever and i'm just like okay that no obviously I, d- I don't need to see anything else that's it whatever so she decided to stick around for the show i guess maybe to talk to me like during the break or whatever was going on because i was avoiding her but we played the song and so i had told everybody in the band or whatever and uh, what was up it's so <laughs> We performed a song at the club dedicated to her. She knew because our singer Keith had said it over the over the thing. He's like, "This one goes out to the tatty, you know, and uh, whatever." And everybody's grooving and loving it because it's like a hit, you know, at the time. <laughs> she comes into the middle of the dance floor, and she's just staring daggers at it because she knows it's kind of, I guess, I guess, directed at her or whatever. And at the end of the song, our singer is like, "I hope somebody keys your black sun fire." <laughs> Wow. And then she got mad and stormed out, and I literally never saw her ever again in my life. And that girl's name was Frankie, yeah, and she right, wrote a exactly. response track. <laughs> she did, <laughs> which had all the energy of that girl doing that. <laughs> nah, it's, we're getting too far ahead of ourselves, I think. I think we got to go back into this. Although, let's just take a little bit of where we're at with Eamon and how we got there, So, which is not, it's not very deep. So Eamon, was, he's, he's just a little bit younger than, than us, born in 1983, and uh, at 15... He was working at a studio in Staten Island, I presume, and uh, just caught the ear of some guys that around working there. It must have been humming this, humming some bars from this or something, and then like got got the vibe. And they started working with him. And the guy at the CEO at the studio was just was like, "I got to put you with some producers and some stuff and work this." And he, uh, you know, got Amen into the booth and and he recorded some stuff. And he went to twenty two different record labels and eventually Jive Records. Signed Amen, and this is the first single they put out, which obviously was a pretty big hit. Yeah, I mean, it looks like he he really did hustle. I don't know. Was there was there a backlash to this song? It seems like it was just a big hit, but I couldn't find anything about. I would assume there would be a backlash to this song, but was the only backlash the response song from his supposed ex girlfriend? I, I think the only real controversy was the. At that time, it was a lot of cursing. Like 2004, <laughs> you didn't have this song was wild because, like, 
you know, a couple years later, CeeLo Green had Fuck You, and that was released under the title Forget You, and they, like, changed the lyrics. This one, they didn't even bother changing lyrics. It was just muted every time that he said fuck. Totally. That is annoying. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I mean, what they could have changed it, right, to something. I feel like, and I don't want to completely... Jim has already told me a little bit of his theory, and I think that there's something to it. Because I think that just the novelty of the brassness of a song called Fuck It being on the radio. I think that's just really what it was. I think it was just, we were just not used to hearing a basically a comedy song that had so many F-bombs in it that was just out there into the world that it was just sort of a weird phenomenon. Maybe people thought it was a, a real joke. I don't know. I mean, it just, this... This to me sounds like he was in the studio and he was just goofing around there. He was like, hey, play, play that beat. I'm going to play some, some, sing some stuff over top of it. And then we got, this is what we got, his diss track. Yeah, so then Frankie comes along, <laughs> F-R-A-N-K-E-E, claims to be Eamon's ex-girlfriend, and she releases the song F-U-R-B, which basically means F you right back. Right, that's, <laughs> right, that's yeah. what it is. That's, that's, that's what, what it we're getting for. at here. And this song became almost as popular as the original. And she claimed that she was his ex-girlfriend. He denied that adamantly and also at some point ended up threatening legal action against her. I mean, it's all the same music, same melodies, just from her perspective? Yeah, it's it, so okay. So this is what I think about in it in of the sense of like it's exactly it's like the same melodies and the whole thing but it's just the response track about how he's just so like he's so weak and he deserved it anyway. So mm-hmm. like what's he crying about it like a bitch? That's basically what it is. Which right. I feel like he puts it together like he's like, "Hey, I'm just goofing with my buddies." Like I remember when I was first learning how to play the drums and stuff, I would we would make parody songs about stupid things or whatever. That's like the first part. I think this Frankie song is almost like, you know, the morning DJs, you know, whatever, put together some sort of song. They're like, Gator put together a response song to Amen. Yeah, it, it's really, and I'm sure you guys have heard this expression, this is really a hat on a hat, right? Yeah. <laughs> like, like, the song was already ridiculous, and then you made a response to the ridiculous song, like, it's like trying to, like, parody Trump. Like, yeah. you're not going to do it. It's already too well, ridiculous. You well, can't that's, do it. I was telling Jim, because we put on both versions of the song while we were waiting for the computer to to restart so we could record. And I was like, man, there is few less compelling arguments than it was your fault somehow. <laughs> like, no evidence on how this was someone's fault. Like, it feels like these are all just, like, first draft lyrics. I kind of dig his perspective on it, ultimately, where he said, I was not involved with Fuck You Right Back, and I've never met Frankie, and she definitely is not a girlfriend or even an ex-girlfriend. The only way I was associated with it was when I was asked for licensing permission by Frankie's representatives, which makes me a writer on her song by copyright law. (laughs) But I didn't really expect all this to come out of it. They're just having fun with it, and it's cool. But in the end, they're paying me for their 15 minutes of fame, and I welcome her into my world of ho-hop. Ho-wop. Sorry, ho-wop. Ho-wop. Yeah. Well, Matt, what I I watched a very well-done YouTube video about Eamon's career, and within it, one, he said that at some point his aunt called him and asked if Frankie was really his ex-girlfriend, which I thought was funny. (laughs) Oh, Nice. (laughs) And also in this video, now I'm just going off of a YouTube video here, so I I don't know for sure, but they claim that he backtracked and admitted that she was actually handpicked 
to release the song. Yeah, he auditioned her. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, this was all part of the plan. This was all big publicity stuff. I mean, it's kind of smart if that song was successful too and he's getting paid from it, right? Yeah. So do you think he also wrote this song? Like He's like, oh, because I gave him licensing, I got a writing credit. But do you think he sat down and just wrote a response track to his own song? Possibly. And on top of that, maybe we went from thinking, or maybe I went from thinking, hey, is Eamon a misogynist? To thinking, wow. Eamon's a real feminist. (laughs) He's really putting the female perspective out there, too. I don't know. I don't know either way. I kind of just once again say, hey, it was 2003, 2004. This might not fly today, as maybe it shouldn't. Right. And again, maybe that's also like at the time, 23 years old myself when this out. Of course, I thought this was hilarious and funny and all that stuff. And now listening to it today, I'm like, man, this song was was a miss. Oh, I was I was senior year of high school. I was the exact audience that this song was written right. for. Was it your prom song? <laughs> <laughs> Hello everybody. I'm Bruce and I'm Nolan and this is the Corner of Gray Street podcast. As longtime Dave Matthews band fans, we set out to create a podcast to dive deep into the past, present, and future of DMB. Not only do we recap and review shows within an ongoing tour, but we revisit past shows from throughout the band's history, conduct interviews with a wide variety of guests with ties to DMB, and create unique and exclusive content like our Concerts on the Corner series. Whether you're a fan of the band or just a fan of great music, we think you'll find something you'll enjoy. We can't wait to see you on The Corner of Gray Street. Well, hey friends, my name is Zach Lupiton. You may know me from the band Dust Bowl Revival, but I also host a music discovery podcast called The Show on the Road. For the last five seasons, I've been able to dive deep and have intimate chats with folks like the Lumineers, Andy DeFranco, Wolfpack, Keb Moe, Lake Street Dive, Bela Fleck, and more. So guess what? After 150 conversations with some of my favorite songwriters from around the world, we are bringing brand new episodes to the Osiris Network. New interviews and intimate acoustic performances will be coming at you this summer. And which episodes are coming next, you ask? I am Zach Goody, the lead singer for the band Smash Mouth. Our band is called Milky Chance. We are based in Berlin. My name is David Shaw. I sing and write songs with my band, The Revivalists. Trust me, these conversations go some wild places. So subscribe to the show on the road on Osiris, and we'll see you soon. At maximum mediocrity, people say things like, I don't dress like this on the regular basis. This isn't my, you know, pooping uniform. This is not <laughs> <laughs> And they also say things like, the, the nurses are usually either angels of mercy or whores. Every episode is a new experience where you get to know people that aren't famous but should be. Why am I f- facing Floyd Mayweather in the f- Woods. My co-host Morgan and I track down the people you didn't know you needed to hear from. It's like hot sex in a mug. We are the Maximum Mediocrity Podcast, and we are on all major podcasting platforms. We'll be waiting for you. You know, for a guy who keeps talking about how his whole ethos is ho-wop, and I mean, I have this album. It's got a lot of songs about hoes on it. Yeah. He still decided to name the whole album, I Don't Want You Back. <laughs> 
uh, which was what the audience felt about it too, because this lived in many a dollar bin <laughs> return used CD sections of FYEs for that's where I got I, it anyway. I certainly believe it. Well, so maybe Chris's <laughs> might answer this. It says that Hoop blends the smoothness of R and B with the grittiness of hip hop. All right, and that his songs are typically soft ballads mixed with aggressive lyrics with themes of infidelity which I think is sure. pretty much par for the course. That's about right. Yeah, but that but what I read earlier at the beginning of this episode is his exact quote. Yeah, his that, direct quote. That's, that's, that's the wiki genre, quote. <laughs> it's my own genre of music, which is a flavor of hip-hop, a flavor of doo-wop, and hoes. <laughs> so that's my music. I'm the king of ho-wop. You can watch him literally say this in front of a green screen. It's very confusing, the and hoes part. Well, I mean, um, hoes is my personal well, favorite genre of music. Yeah. Um, his follow-up, I love them hoes, yeah. which kind of goes against his whole thing. Doesn't he not love them hoes? Isn't that his whole thing? Anyway, yeah, he respects the them. <laughs> Yeah, that's you, the song dude, where with the bad nice. grammar H O apostrophe S. That's right. not how you do it. Can it's you admit H-O-S. that that song kind of rules though? It does. I would say I love them hoes is way better. <laughs> yeah. uh-huh. Girl, I thank you for this wonderful night. Wishing I could see you one more time, but I don't think it will happen. So I thank you. And if you wanna still fool around, you could come to the next town, but until then I gotta go. So I thank you. Sample, yeah, that's because well, maybe oh, you didn't yeah. listen to it hard, dude. I, I think I led them hoses ahead of its time. <laughs> 2005 was way too early for it, but you put that maybe there'll be a TikTok renaissance. Well, didn't you tell me that there's a remix of that song? Oh, yeah, he did it with he's it's with uh, with, this is a good question. So, I was wondering, so Eamon is from Staten Island, and I thought. Is Eamon the most famous person from Staten Island? That can't Definitely be the not. case. No, no. Well, within 30 seconds, the answer is no. It's not. He's not. <laughs> but he did do the remix with, I would say, who is arguably the most famous resident or person from Staten Island, which is Ghostface Killer. And the Wu-Tang Clan, he did He did. I Love Them Hoes featuring Ghostface. Wow. Okay. So maybe and you should check thinking, that out. I was thinking Pete, Pete Davidson is the most famous person now from staten island okay and- so i looked up musicians so okay okay so arguably pete davidson could be there, but here's the list so let's go to, let's go to the list you can tell me if you think i think it's got to be wu-tang right but here's the other folks joan baez gene simmons is arguably from there i guess he went to college on staten island so yeah, they try to claim him, over them which is in the same as they also christina aguilera was born on Staten Island, but she like went to school in Pittsburgh or whatever. Yeah, so who's she's a cla- Pittsburgher, who's, man. Don't who's take her away claiming from her, us. right? Okay, so right, that's what I'm, that's what I'm saying. Okay, so taking the aside, there's Buster Poindexter. I mean, wow. I do love Buster Poindexter. BB Rexa, Ingrid Michaelson, and Roy Clark, who is an awesome country guitar player and also was the host of Hee Haw. Yeah, now I wow. I would say of the music Wu Tang, I think the jury's still out because like. Pete Davidson, yes, in 2022, is the most famous Staten Island person. But it's like we're 30 years removed from the first Wu-Tang album and everyone still like knows and loves Wu-Tang. So I feel like will Pete Davidson still be as... (laughs) They just give us a third pronunciation of his last name. Uh, We're going to create all types (laughs) of different ways to say this name. Will Pete be as famous as Wu-Tang in 2022... 
as he will be in like 2052. Fuck no, because Wu Tang is forever. Yeah. Pete Devinson now. (laughs) If we're talking, if we're talking Pete Devinson, um, I think he's got some major. Amen vibes. I think those two guys would like hang out together. Oh, one hundred percent. I saw this guy. Yeah, it seems to make sense. These guys—that's the Staten Island vibe I get—is these guys. Here's the influence uh, that I want us to have. I want us to talk about this song, and I want One Hit Thunder to be, you know, as everyone knows, the biggest One Hit Wonder podcast on the internet. Uh, I have no stats to back that up, but I feel confident. Uh, I want this episode to just be so popular that next year on SNL. Pete Davidson does a parody of this song featuring Amon. Yeah. yeah. Maybe, maybe, maybe Pete Devlinson can make a remake of that video like Paul Rudd and uh, uh, what Jimmy Fallon Jimmy did that Fallon. one. The one that's uh, go, was it Go West where he yeah. holds, where he holds yeah. a giant wrench. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I could see, I could see Pete Devlinson doing this. <laughs> yeah. Hey, so talking more about Amon. Or Amon, or Emon. I think it's, it's Amon. It's Amon, yeah. by the way. So his follow-up album failed to chart at all, even though the this one from the song we're talking about, I think it peaked at number seven on the it, Billboard 200. I think the album in the States did better than the single itself, honestly, yeah. chart-wise, which is rare. Although, according <laughs> yeah. to these stats, I Love Them Hoes was a top 10 hit in Denmark, letting you know wow. that the Danish singles chart knows what's up. Yeah. So his follow-up failed to chart. He claimed that at this point he had a lot of what he called addiction situations, needed to get out of that. He also got into some record label drama after that. <sighs> Who hasn't? I saw the story of this. He like recorded an album with some Grammy-winning producer. They didn't say who, but then basically through some record label deviousness or whatever, all kind of legal stuff happened and the album got shelved. Like, he couldn't release music. He wasn't allowed to play shows and get paid for them. I don't know what kind of contract you sign that says you can't you can't even play shows and get paid for them. He eventually got out of that. In 2017, he released his comeback album, Golden Rail Motel. And since then, he's been releasing music. And honestly, he kind of got away from the whatever you want to call it, the gimmicky <laughs> yeah. ho music. I think he kind of dropped the hoe part from what I saw. It sounds like he's trying to make some legit throwback doo-wop inspired soul music. And actually all the stuff that I heard was kind of good. <laughs> it was pretty decent. Actually. I, a hundred percent agree that every song I listened to after "fuck it" was progressively better than the previous one that I heard. Yeah. And I and I'm looking at because apparently he did so many like guest things. So I didn't listen to ones where he guested on other. There's a lot. Apparently, there's dozens of tracks that are somebody featuring Amen out there. So I didn't check into his guest spot stuff. But the things that are specifically his singles, ones that you know were on the release thing or put into Spotify. They were pretty solid. Yeah. I mean, I know one thing I read about him is he's married and has a kid now and seems to have settled down, so to speak. And (laughs) I got to tell you guys, if you go on YouTube and you're looking for Eamon videos, you'll see these ones come up. And I was like really touched by them. I'm like, wow, because they're from Eamon and Beck. And it's about like day in the life of a cancer patient. It's all about his wife's going through cancer uh, treatments, radiation and stuff. And she makes these big, long videos about like what she's experiencing health wise and all this stuff. And I'm like, wow, this is pretty moving. Like, you know, 
it really endeared me to Eamon and and everything. And I'm like, wow, you know, he's come a a long way making these these videos with his wife showing what she's going through. And I'm making all these notes about it. And then right before you guys got on, I'm like, oh, wait a second. That isn't the same Eamon. That's that's a different different Eamon. I'm just watching some touching videos by a guy with the same first name. I was going to say, dude, because I was going to be like, don't get it twisted about him giving up on the Ho-Wop because his email address, which you can find publicly, is Incorporated at gmail.com. So reach out. Okay. Get yourself, I don't know, a feature on your next rap. Yeah. I mean, maybe we can get Eamon to come on here. I mean, I, I, for the most part, I would be interested to hear what he has to say about it in the light of, you know, almost 20 years after releasing it. Is he just going to be, Hey, look, part of it could be that he could say, let me rephrase that. He could theoretically say, Hey man, anybody could be a hoe. That's like how I looked at it earlier is like, that's not gender specific. Although I do believe that over the course of time, that has been used as a derogatory term for women. But I could see his argument being like, yo, man, men could be hoes too. And yeah. I could be like, yeah, you know what? You got a point. I could, I could men also are probably hoes more than women are, to be I, honest. I could also see him just saying, dude, I was 21 years old. Right. <laughs> like, <laughs> like, yeah, no. I mean, <laughs> had I gotten in the studio 21 years old, I probably might have dropped something not even anywhere close to as good as that. Yeah. Or he might just double down, man. He might be like, fuck them hoes. <laughs> He seriously well, I mean, just might be. Who knows? And you know what? At a certain point, I'd almost respect that response just for, you know what? You've been sticking to it. God bless. I mean, I don't know if there's any lyrics to break down, but I'm pretty sure that fuck it is uh, not, it's not pro hose. It's no. anti hose. Well, this song, the other thing that's worth mentioning about this song before we dive into like the other chart stuff is we talked about this with a few songs, but this song is all chorus. Like when people remember this song, it's the chorus. They're not. Sitting there remembering these verses that say absolutely yeah, with, nothing. With the laziest rhymes. <laughs> like, I know that. <laughs> Those rhymes are lazier than Forrest Whitaker's eye. These lyrics are horrendous, by the way. <laughs> so, <laughs> yeah. Sorry, Eamon. We, we think you pro- progressively got better, but like these are so bad. These are really like unbearable. This second verse is, you thought you could keep this shit from me. Yeah. <laughs> You burnt bitch. I heard the story. You played me. You even gave him head. Now you're asking for me back. You're just another act. Look elsewhere, cause you're done with me. Right. This is a- terrible. Amen. This is awful. or Bill- Billy Shakespeare. You tell me. <laughs> a bunch of cussing. Yeah. After that. Well, I think uh, the know. thing to say to it is that he fell on some gold. Had some people that got him into a promotions company that put it out to every radio station on the planet. Everybody loved it, and he had himself a super hit. And, you know, hopefully he got paid for that. But it sounds like he's had some some business problems. Do we want to talk about what else was happening in 2004 on the radio? Yeah, for sure. Because yeah, that's because what was. I, I don't even know what else to say about so, this. What was so even so. happening to get this, like, so in the mix? I mean, you did say Ruben stuttered, so it must have been a real, yeah, well, real slow time of the year. So also on the charts, someone else we talked about already on the show, uh, but Jay Kwan with Tipsy uh, was yeah. happening. Mm. Around well, this time, I love it, love yeah. it. Yeah, uh, this is. I mean, we've talked about this person multiple times on this podcast and on the Patreon, but this was this was really the the debut of Kanye. So he had two songs in the top fifteen. He had number fifteen was through the wire, Ooh. and at this time, the number one song in America 
was Slow Jams featuring Twista and Jamie wow. Foxx. Man, yeah. I miss the old Kanye. Uh, it was it was peak peak Kanye at that point. And then like Ying Yang Twins with Salt Shaker featuring Little John was happening. All right. Two Outcast songs, Way You Move and Hey Ya, were both in the wow. top five. Right. Wow. Wait, so wait, are you saying this is all above them at number seven? This is all, ab- well, the, the album the was at seven. He hit 16. Oh, God. So this it. is all that was charting above him. And then the number two song, just the unexcused, I think we've talked about this year already, is uh, also being the year of Usher, because the number two song was Yeah, featuring Little John and Ludacris. All of those songs. Much better, much than better. Amen. Of course, yeah. deservedly at that spot. <laughs> a lot of, a lot of really, really solid classic hip hop and R and B music right there. Like that's a really like golden era. I mean, even the stupid like yeah, I don't like the the yeah song necessarily, but geez, it's definitely lasted. You know, people still, you still hear that all the time. I'm looking at this, and of the top 15, we'll look at the top 15 songs in America at that time. There were only four songs that had guitars in it. Like, it was it was hip-hop heavy. You had yeah. Someday by Nickelback, which is Ugh. not, it's far from the worst Nickelback song, but it's definitely not the best either. Uh, Linkin Park, Numb, Here Without You by Three Doors Down, and No Doubts, It's My Life. That was the only rock that was happening uh, actually, as I keep scrolling, possibly the only rock that was happening on most of the charts. Wow. I mean, It's My Life is the closest thing to a good song out of the rock songs. No wonder. There was yeah. no good rock songs on the charts at all. Where where was rock music at that time? Wow. Anyway, the fact that Eamon could get even close to so many classics. I mean, both those Kanye songs are classic. The Usher song, classic. Uh, the Both those... Outcast songs are absolutely classics. Yeah. The fact that Eamon could get that close with, dude, I mean, this is definitely a novelty song. Totally. This is not, 100%. This is the definition of it. This is cuss words and a guy calling his music ho-wop. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. And, and, and I feel like it's one of those songs where you had to have known when it came out. You know what I mean? Like, like it's hard for this to not be an uphill battle. You know what I mean? Like after you put this song out, like I'm going to steal a phrase that you used, Jim. I'm sorry. You had 35 minutes to say it. Oh, go for it. But like Jim earlier was like, this song was basically just like 2004's disco duck. Like, (laughs) it's just like, like no one was ever expecting there to be a follow up to disco duck. And I don't think anyone really expected there to be a follow up to fuck it after it came out. You know what I mean? Like, I mean, is obviously a good, singer yeah and is trying to merge some types of music i don't necessarily think he's the first person to do it but he he had his own style his own sound he could have used this novelty ish song to jumpstart what would be a legit good music career but he followed it up with i love them hoes (laughs) so he it cemented himself as novelty music. And I respect that he's putting out new music now and putting out like a good bit of new music and it's sincere, legit music. And it seems like it has a, you know, from the YouTube plays or whatever, it seemed like he still has maybe not as huge of a following as he did for this, (laughs) this novelty hit. But I like that. He's at least trying now because he's obviously a talented person, but yeah, you know, I, 
in my opinion, where he messed up was not in writing this song that obviously was a hit and caught on, but this could have been the anomaly on the album and the rest of it could have been legit good songs and not every song <laughs> about hoes and not even grammatically correct. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, maybe that's the story because like, it seems like Lisa looking at the stuff that was like this eventually was put on an album, but when it all first came out, it's like he was a singles driven guy, it seems. So it was like the first single is this novelty that we've put in that. And then the follow up of I Love Them Hoes, I argue ahead of its time. So he had two potential novelties in a row. So then you were just dubbed a novelty and that was it. But, mm-hmm. you know, I'm assuming that he did get paid off of this because then he turned it around and used that. It's like, it was like the reverse. He had this hit and then it put him away, but then it almost set him up probably to do the rest of this stuff for the rest of his life that could be more legitimate and cool. I mean, hell, this guy put out an album literally last month <laughs> and right. I listened to some of it and it, it was great. Yeah. I mean, that part of it I respect. So that means, <laughs> you know, this is a really hard one. Is this a one hit blunder? Did he bring the one hit thunder? This is This is a really hard one because... You know, as Matt and I like to say, we don't respect the people that are just that just quit. They're like, oh, I don't have another hit. I quit. I mean, this guy persevered through not only personal addiction issues, but also some record label goofiness and, you know, had kind of the odds stacked against him after all this. And he's still making music. So you got to respect that. Exactly. And man, you're right. I mean, you know, ultimately we're here talking about something of we don't know the details behind the scenes. So who knows what he was going through with all of this business. But yeah, on the surface, I don't know. It's strange. What do you, I mean, what do you, what do you think? If we're, if we're putting it specifically on this song between a blunder and a thunder, what do you, what are you thinking? Well, I don't know. What are you guys thinking? I'll, I'll go last. All right. Okay. You can go last. I'll, uh, if you, you, go if you don't mind. Okay. So I think the song itself is a blunder. I think it's a novelty. I can't believe everybody was sucked up by it, but I get it. I understand why at the time it was just a, you know, things happen, a cultural phenomenon at the moment. What, you know, we got a Harlem shakes and whatever is out there. It just happens and it just is what it is. Right. But maybe the blunder is society sleeping on the rest of the catalog for all these years is, is what I'm saying. <laughs> Interesting. Interesting. I feel like this song, I actually enjoy more now than I did when it came out for almost the total opposite reason of Jim is that I think that I appreciate over time. Like it is insane that this was a hit, you know, like it's like where you're like, you know, we all get caught up in the wave of some fad. And it's like, for me, I'm like, I can't believe this shit was a fad. That's fascinating to me. And I get pulled in that way, but I'm going to go with blunder, but I do want to give a shout out one hit thunder to whoever the other Eamon is that captured Chris Fafalius's heart with his <laughs> YouTube videos. Totally <laughs> agree. <laughs> Eamon and Beck who are documenting Beck's breast cancer journey. Thunder, 100% thunder. No doubt. Yep. This Eamon, oh, this is a hard one, man. First of all, I didn't know this song before today. Had never heard it. <laughs> so wild. It got pushed out. You know, all those other songs in the charts, all, you know, slam dunk hits. And this song got lost in the mix for me. Never heard it before today. So it's really hard for me to call this thunder. I respect what the dude has done, his perseverance. I think he's talented. I think he's a good singer. I think he's merging a couple of cool styles. And I just don't know if I can back 
blowing up on a novelty and pretty misogynistic, you know, it's not even, <laughs> the song's not even written. When I look at the lyrics, it's not even written in like a, oh, whether you're a guy or a girl, you can, this is like <laughs> toxic male, you know, yeah. sort of lyrics. This is like really hateful <laughs> in a way. Like, I, I, and I'm sure that he would defend it. Once again, Matt, like you said, probably a young person early 20s and yeah we can look back at stuff we said stuff we wrote stuff whatever and be and cringe and be like oh my god i'm I, I can absolutely do that yeah ways i acted things i did but we're talking about the the song on a grand scheme of things at the same time there are people in their young 20s who are writing songs that are changing the world for the better <laughs> right. um, and so it's hard for me to really stick up for this song that i never heard before today sorry amen I think you're a blunder. That's a three-way. That's a three-way blunder today. I mean, but you can prove me wrong still because I don't know. Maybe Eamon ain't done. Maybe yeah. we jumped the gun on calling Eamon a one-hit wonder. So that is my little bit of defense of Eamon is that maybe he's going to do right by us, have another hit, and have it be a heartfelt, legit, non-borderline misogynistic <laughs> song. So that's what I would go with. Blunder. Uh, Blunder for today. And I, I want to real quickly, so that we don't have to do an episode about this artist anyway, and I'm pretty sure I know how this is going to go, but a uh, quick rapid fire, uh, Frankie, <laughs> one hit, one hit blunder, oh, one yeah. hit blunder. Please. <laughs> Absolute blunder. Absolutely. Like, it's the, you, you did a parody song of an already pretty not good song. So yeah, that's, yeah, that's as that blunder as a, it gets. Yeah. <laughs> Is completely blunderful. Yep. Man, it's great. Blunder. It would be awesome if Weird Al did a parody of both of them. Yeah. <laughs> Just... I don't, I don't, I was, I, <laughs> Matt said earlier something about Weird Al with it. I was like, don't even besperch Weird Al's name <laughs> around F U R B. Come on. How long, how long has this been going on? Until you tell me that it's not. This has been One Hit Thunder. One Hit Thunder is hosted by Chris Ophelios of the bands Punchline, Pack, and Another Cheetah, and produced by Matt Kelly of Geekscape.net. Underneath me, you're hearing the hit off the Punchline album, Just Say Yes. Visit punchline.com for tour dates, merch, and news. Do you want to start a podcast? Then contact Chris and Matt at weknowpodcasting.com for how we can make your show sound as professional as possible. Be sure to rate, review, and subscribe to us on your favorite podcasting app, and tune in next week for another episode of One Hit Thunder. Ever wonder what a punch from Elton John feels like? Or how you cope with having turned down the chance to be in Nirvana? Or what signal Keith Richards gives when he wants you to get the hell out of his hotel room? 
fans of Too Much Effie Perspective don't have to wonder, because they've heard these exact stories and a jillion others on our podcast. I'm Alex Hoffman, former tour manager for Radiohead. And I'm musician and comedy writer Alan Keller. On the TMEP show, we get guests like Nancy Wilson from Heart, Jeremiah Freights from the Lumineers, and Modern Family's Julie Bowen to tell us things they may have only shared with their therapist, clergy, or a TMZ stringer. So join us on Too Much Effing Perspective. That's E-F-F-I-N-G Perspective. The only podcast you crank up to 11. Hello, Tom May here, host of Future Friday. I've spent the last 15 years on the road with my band, The Menzingers, where I've met all kinds of wild and fascinating people. So I started a podcast. On Future Friday, I talked to fellow musicians about the moments that made them, their passions outside of music, and the curiosities that tie us all together. I've also talked to the likes of UFO researchers, magicians, soldiers, and documentary filmmakers, and I'm constantly searching for folks that can shape and change our view of the world. You can check out Future Friday wherever you like.